LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. Hey, everybody, it is Steve. I am the Rogue Scholar. And uh, for those of you who attended last night's book club with Clara Matei and the Capital Order, thank you. I think it was a really, really good uh, showing. Um, there were some really, really great questions. So I can't wait for it to be released for the public to see. Um, one of the things that kind of drove me to this stream, though, was the conversation within that within that uh book club see clara came to um you know when we talked about setting this up she had made mention she's like you know i'd rather this be more of a discussion than a um just a recapturing of my book you know yes we can talk about the book specifically um she particularly wanted to hear from mmters and what they thought and how they thought of things and much like a lot of our friends who are adjacent in the MMT community, there are some things where the word should, this word should is not a word. It's not a, it's not a thing. It's a, it's a, it's an idea. It's ideological. Should is a preference. Should is your, your desire, right? When you say it should, well, should according to whom, right? And, and that's the thing that I love about MMT. That's why MMT matters. That's why you can talk in any group about MMT because ultimately MMT at its core plumbing, I'm not talking about the, some of the theoretical framework, although I do believe that right there is also ideologically sound um, and neutral, quite frankly. Okay. Um, but if you look at Marxists, for example, they don't come into a conversation with the operations manual of how the system works. They come in with a lot of shoulds. They come in with a political economy. They come in with a, a belief system of how they'd like things to be. And so you'll oftentimes see MMTers and Marxists doing this. Man, can you see MMTers and you know neoclassicals coming together the same way? And what you typically find is that Marxists have a belief and it's a good belief. It's a belief I share in, by the way, I want you to be, I want you to understand the difference between Marxists coming to learn MMT and MMTers coming to learn Marx is very different. It's a very different, um, you're coming together. You're bringing two things together. You, you have, Reese's peanut butter cup, peanut butter and chocolate. And you have chocolate and peanut butter coming together. Two different things, the same chemical makeup, if you will, right? But the problem is, and this is where the should word comes in and stuff. The problem is, is that when you have a religion already, and I'm not saying Marxism is a religion, although I do believe some Marxists uh, have a religious belief in Marxism. Um, not necessarily scientific Marxism, because if they had the scientific Marxism, then MMT would make total sense to them. But in the absence of that scientific Marxism, there is a 
there's a delta. There's a delta there because MMT is not saying, well, we could do this, or if we just implement MMT and stuff like that, because quite frankly, maybe, maybe you would do things a little differently if you were starting from a different point of view. And so, you know, you frequently hear class, class analysis, class struggle. These are all very important points because at the top of the food chain, when Congress passes a law, okay, and when they pass that law, we know that the, the rule of law, the, the power of law is decree. And by decree, we're talking also fiat. Fiat means by decree. So when Congress writes a law, it issues instructions. The question within the Marxist space would be, whose class interest are you serving with that law? Whose class interest are you serving by which the way you bring that money into existence? Are you paying the man or are you paying the laborers for their work? So there's these things that are, they're very important. They're very important, but they're not MMT, right? They're not, uh, it's like an overlay of MMT. Political economy overlays the plumbing, right? Because like, you know, I oftentimes say a hammer in the hands of a carpenter build your house hammer in the hands of Ted Bundy. You'll kill a bunch of girls in the sorority row. Okay. So a hammer is still plumbing in this case, if you will, it's still analogous to plumbing. The hammer is the hammer, how you use it, what you get, what you do with it is, is where the ideological perspective comes in, right? But MMT on a, on, on its own, is not ideological in that frame, in that way of, um, in that kind of vernacular. It's not, it's not ideological in any way, shape or form. And that troubles people because it's neutral, right? So if it's neutral, then that must mean it's also cleaving to status quo and status quo. We know is not necessarily good, right? Status quo is if you're hurting and everything just stays the same, you're going to continue to hurt, right? So I just kept thinking to myself, if I could only get into the heads of people who I consider my kindred, right? Because I'm the MMT or coming to Marx and I'm trying to get Marxists to come to MMT, but not come to MMT and abandon Marx. I'm telling them to come to the middle so we can take the important stuff about class consciousness and class struggle, marry that with an understanding of state theory of money and understand. But see, here's where it gets tricky, right? Because obviously the further down this trajectory you go, and if you think about a spectrum, right over here, you have total, like, you know, right wing, uh, you know, kind of like anarcho um, capitalism, right? The, the ANCAPs, that's the farthest to the right you get. And then on the other side, you get the communists. Well, the thing with communism is, is that it's a stateless, classless society. So if it's stateless and classless, then state theory of money is a problem for that, right? If you don't have a state, so you have to figure out where the currency issuer resides because state theory of money says that I've got to have some sort of tether, some sort of a magnet to pull the currency through the pipe. So I put the magnet there and the magnet in this case is taxes. It, it's fines, fees, penalties things payable only in 
the tax, in the unit of account. But if you don't have a fundamental understanding of that plumbing and you're trying to marry it up with a belief system, a theory, a, a concept of um, political economy, a concept of the relationship between capital and labor, if you're not able to merge those two things together, you're in a position now where you're going to be fighting and you're going to be fighting an awful lot. And, and they're with people who are right there. You're, you're, you're like, you're so close to one another. It's almost imperceptible. So for me, I felt like it was important that we could, how do you, how do I say this? Compartmentalize the operational truths, if you will, of how currency operates and how currency is spent into existence. And on the flip side, how to overlay the belief systems of various groups that are adjacent to us. The um, social Democrats we've already seen, it's kind of like, hey, we can go ahead and uh, you know, throw you a basket of programs. That's their ideological proclivity. Here's a basket of programs. Go forth and be happy. That's not, that's not the same thing as socialism. And, you know, people weirdly think that socialism is just free stuff. I think I, there probably most of us at some point in time that haven't read uh, some theoretical work Right, all of us at some point in time thought that socialism was, you know, hey, free stuff or, um, you know, the government taking care of you, et cetera. When in reality, socialism is just completely a, a relationship between where, who owns the means of production, who owns their own labor. Is a person alienated from their labor and their money that comes from their labor skimmed from a capitalist on top, or is it going directly to them where they get to make collective decisions as labor? You know, so this is a very different thing than free stuff. Okay. And so designing a society that is both aware of class struggle, aware of a materialist's perspective, you know, di um, dialectical materialism. There's a whole host of presuppositions within socialism that make MMT a challenge to understand. And for those people who have never experienced any of this, MMT is already a challenge. But once you cross over into the threshold of MMT, and let's be fair, most people that learned MMT learned it because they were like, how can I, how can we have a green new deal? How can we have healthcare? How can we have these things? And, you know, you're sick and tired of being told that the country is broke and it has no money. And so that's the standard narrative amongst our peers, amongst our families, our friends, the newspapers, the schools, everywhere. There's always like this dearth of dollars. There's always like a famine of dollars, as Steve uh, Larchuk used to say, the the dollar famine. And it, it's intentional. This is austerity. 
Okay. So they intentionally try to create a false narrative where money is a scarce thing. When in reality, you know, um, hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this up there. I just, hey, K, hi, Ty. How are you doing, sir? I'll read that. My wife makes me free lunches. She's very pro social. <laughs> it's for the greater good because I'm not hungry anymore. Socialism isn't so bad. <laughs> That's definitely one way of saying it. But, but socialism isn't that, though. It really isn't about, it's like to everyone, you know, let their needs be met. And from everyone, you know, each of our own talents and so forth, you know, we, we, we take our talents and treasures and put them towards the collective, you know, and nobody goes without. It's not free stuff. It, it, it's, it's a different way of framing out society. It's a different way of seeing people, right? And, you know, I'm, I, I hate capitalism to, to my bones. Hate it, hate it, hate it. To the point where, like, it keeps me up at night. Just the sheer stress and uh, fear and all the stuff that chasing after things that don't really matter. And having no choice in it because if you don't, the IRS will be after you. These are things to me that are incompatible with society, you know, thriving it's incompatible because everybody's fighting to beat the other fighting to be the winner fighting to be the top dog and you know people celebrate that form of competition but that form of competition requires losers it's not cooperative it's not collaborative it's not win-win it's win-lose and we celebrate in this capitalist society we celebrate winning we can see it in sports we can see it in business we can see it in who we choose to date, okay, and, and who we marry and all the other stuff. You know, people, oh, wow, he, he married above himself or she married pretty good or whatever. There's a lot of that. And you're looking to, you know, marry up, so to speak. I mean, there's so many weird perversions in this competitive society that just make it a little shittier for everyone, okay? So I understand fundamentally why it's hard for Marxists in general to see MMT as anything other than, you know, rehash Keynesianism. And, and as Clara spoke about, and she's going to write a book on this soon, you know, Keynes was into austerity. Keynes was a purveyor of austerity to protect the capital order. And we hear all the good stuff from Keynes because, you know, general theory, we, we hear so much about Keynes, 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 you know, and, I'm sure there are really, really brilliant academics out there that would roll their eyes at a poor activist daring to speak in their territory. But the truth of the matter is, is that we've got to live in this planet. We've got to live in this world. These decisions, these thoughts, and these ideas are being banded around by people that are elites without our consent, without our participation, without our inclusion. And so they come up with ideas and they come up with policy prescriptions and they come up with ways of organizing society and um we're not really included in and then all of a sudden a politician goes out there using the think tank that took these people's thoughts and everything and puts it out there for us as hey here's the way it's going to be what are you going to do you don't have any basis to push back on you don't understand the plumbing you don't understand what is possible you just have to kind of go along with what they say 
And when you think about who the politicians serve, it's quite clear that they don't serve our class interests. Our government should be we the people, but our government is not. It's we the captured. It is a government for and by the capitalist class, the capital order, and everything. You, I mean, when you watch economists and you watch people that write about the economy, talk about the economy, they're always talking about Wall Street. They're always talking about investments. They're always talking about things that have nothing whatsoever to do with the rank and file people that are struggling on the daily. So there's no analysis of that. They don't, they blow right by it. Like you're just a peon. You just didn't do the right things. So naturally we're going to focus on the, the people that do good. And those people that do good are the people that invest in wall street. So all of the economic uh, literature out there, all the economic discussions mostly trend towards the uh, awesomeness of the entrepreneur, the awesomeness of the investor, the awesomeness of stockholders and shareholders and things like that. Instead of treating we, the people, as shareholders in our own country, in our own domestic uh, gross national product and our uh, GDP as a whole is completely detached from us. The nation's income means nothing to us because we get this tiny sliver and there's very few winners and many, 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 many losers. So if you're coming at it from a Marxist perspective, you're coming at it with an understanding of capital and the way capital operates and the proclivities of the well-to-do or the bourgeois, okay, the bourgeoisie, those folks out there that are living la vida loco, that are living off of interest, that are not the working class, okay? The working class is not representative. It's not representative within our government right now. And, you know, I think when we look at AOC standing on Mama Bear's desk with the Sunrise Movement all in the room, I think that the working class for a moment felt like there's somebody that'll fight. And you look back at Bernie Sanders when he came out and he talked about a political revolution, right? Unfortunately, Bernie capitulated and folded back in like a cheap tent right back into the establishment once again you know people are playing chess in their mind they think hey i've got this position of power i can't do much good but let me try and do a little good and that kind of incremental going along to get along um yeah maybe that's all that we can expect from electoral politics at this point Maybe that's the best we can achieve within a system that is predicated on heralding winners and laughing and chasing and scolding losers, okay? But from my vantage point, from my vantage point, the MMT community is like, hey, it's just simple. You move reserves, we do this, you, you, you know, yes, the, the you simply debit accounts, credit accounts. These are all true. Like, this is the plumbing. This is the most basic shit possible. 
And so if when explaining this stuff, if we could somehow or another segment it and say, listen, I know you've got an awful lot of things on your mind over there. And I have those same shared thoughts. But before we jump into all the shoulds, all the things things you think society should be, all the things you think, can I tell you operationally how the system works? And then let's find a way to overlay what we know. Because one of the things that I'm told, and as a relatively young Marxist in that sense, you know, I don't know what I don't know sometimes. I'm learning, right? Just, just like all of us are learning in different ways, but I'm, I'm learning. And I say to myself, well, you know, apparently, you know, we can't get past, we can't just talk in layers. Like, you know, Fadal Kaboob talks about the layer cake of the Green New Deal. We got a good video out there on the layer cake. You should check it out. But there are layers, right? They, there's like a foundational layer, and then there's the walls, and then there's the roof, and then there is the plumbing, and then there is the wallpaper, and then there's light switches. There's all these layers. So if you were doing one of those clear overlays, like back in the day when they do the anatomy, okay, you had all those clear sheets, you'd pull it over and you'd go down. And it's like, here's the nervous system. Here's the circulatory system. Here's the whatever, right? If we could get them to peel away the political layers and just get to the bare bones and just look at the plumbing, okay, that's my goal. That's my desire is so they can understand how the plumbing works and then drop the other overlay over top of the foundational plumbing and say, okay, because I'll give you an example. You know. There is a lot of stupid conspiracy drivel about central banks. That does not mean just because I'm saying it's stupid conspiracy drivel, that does not mean that I'm saying, hey, these central banks are acting in our interest. They're not. They're acting in a different class interest than ours. You notice that when the Fed chooses to uh, liquidate or write off or write down their balance sheet that it's never for main street. It's always for some bank. It's always for some industry. It's never for main street though. And part of that is because you and I don't have accounts at the fed. Okay. So they don't really have power over, them. but there's nothing wrong with structuring programs or structuring relief, uh, for the people but they don't do it because they don't have our class interest at heart. So understanding that the functions of the fed in and of themselves are also benign. They could be zero interest rate policy forever. You could deal with things through fiscal policy. You could deal with things through taxation. You could deal with things through regulation. Um, instead the fed of course has a hammer and it sees everything as a nail. So interest rates are the policy they use, quantitative easing, things like that. These tools are very much not understood by Main Street. And so when someone brings it out and explains, quite frankly, what quantitative easing is or what these things are, what ends up happening 
is there inevitably somebody says, oh, they're printing money. One of the most ill-conceived, wrong-minded ideas ever, okay? But this is an unfortunate result of not understanding what's going on, okay? When people talk about the Fed's just printing money, the Fed creates reserves, okay? The fiscal, the money that goes into the economy is either bank credit money lent into existence and then having to be paid back and zeroed out once those bank loans are paid back, or it's spent into the economy via the federal government through congressional uh, decree, which is fiat. And when they do that, that money never has to be paid back. It can live in society in perpetuity. They create what they call net financial assets, NFAs. And that is what is the difference between bank credit and federal government spending. Okay. That, that in and of itself is in the end, that credit ultimately has to be paid back in some way, shape or form or written off on the balance sheet. So when we're talking to MMTers, it's very hard for them to understand the relationship between class consciousness inside of the MMT framework. It's very, very hard because you're talking to Marxists that don't compartmentalize their, their theoretical, their, their um, class analysis. They don't segregate that from how the plumbing works. And if you look at the drawing here, and it's just kind of a funny drawing, I'm glad we did this. But if you look at today's thing, all you have to do is take your, a, a marble, if you will, or a string and thread it through the pipes and you can see how the flow goes, okay? It's that flow. It's the inputs and the outputs and the tools and the techniques that go into creating a process flow. And that's all plumbing is, is a process flow. You just don't realize it, okay? It's like a circuit board with AND gates and OR gates. You turn a knob on, it allows hot water through. You turn another knob on, it allows cold water through. These are the same things as the, your circuit boards on a computer. It's plumbing. On the internet, when you look at the backbone of the internet and you look at all the different branches off or distribution fibers or distribution cables or distribution um, uh, wireless connections, all these things are a form of plumbing. They're all plumbing in a process from getting in the shower, turning on the water, scrubbing your ass, doing all the other things you're doing, and then drying off and getting dressed, putting deodorant on, brushing your teeth, combing your hair, whatever. It's a process, okay? Now, you could do things out of order, but if you go to work with your hair uncombed, people are going to say, what's up with you, man? Did you have a late night? You have a rough night? What's going on there, right? So there is something there to the outcomes, right? And one of the other things I think is important to compare all this to, if you were into software design, what we would do is a trace route. We would want to see if we put a one in here, when it comes out the other end, is it the expected outcome? Do we, do we have, yeah, I'm, I wanted to do the drawing, but I don't, I think that there's more, there's more heart and soul to this than the drawing, unfortunately. 
I want to make sure that we understand that in order to have a conversation with people, we've got to agree on some basic shit. Okay. Otherwise you are constantly chasing your tail and you're going to fight with people that are your friends, that are your allies, that are people that are adjacent to you, et cetera, that are, they just are uneducated and maybe you're uneducated on something too. But when it comes, if we can make, instead of class consciousness, which is very important, but if we could, in talking about how we deal with modern society today, if we could sit down and just understand the way the plumbing works without ideological blinders on, and then after we've established how the plumbing works, then reassert our blinders on and see if it matches up, if it works, and if it doesn't, then we course correct. See, scientific Marxism, this is what was told to me because I had a real problem with Marxists for a long time until I decided to become one, right? So the facts kind of led me that way. They just don't have monetary operations correct. They don't. They just don't understand it. And, and you know, it's not a big old you know, dunking on someone. The fact of the matter is most people that understand the plumbing don't have a class analysis. And you can see it in many of the MMT community where they're just like, oh yeah, just invest in some Tesla and invest in some, uh, you know, lithium and hey, my, my portfolio strong and whatever, right? That's definitely not class consciousness, right? That's some bougie stuff, right? But Everybody's got a little bit to learn here to come together to make that marriage work. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I've been trying to do. And you'll see, you know, there are people that I interview that are not MMT. It's not because I'm not MMT. It's because I'm trying to grow the tent. I don't want to pollute and dilute the, the, the sauce. The plumbing should stay the plumbing. Okay. It's the ideological overlays where we start branching out. And I got to tell you right here, right now in today's society, I think the hardest thing to realize is for MMT to matter in the same way for a leftist, for a true, honest to God socialist, okay? You've got to know that the people that are instituting laws have your class interests. As of right now, we have got more proof than any point in time in our history that not only is our political system captured by moneyed interest and wealthy people, multinational corporations, uh, you know, different cartels of different stuff, okay? To me, it's very important to recognize that there's a political element, a very strong, very important political element to MMT. Now, MMTers would never tell you otherwise. The problem with many of them, many of my friends, is that they would just tell you to go vote for random Democrats. And those Democrats don't know MMT either. And many of them are perfectly comfortable with Wall Street and all the rest of it that are skimming from labor. And this concept of uh, a casino capitalism through the fire sector, through gambling and investments and 
gambling with shitcoin. And yes, by the way, Bitcoin is just as bougie and just as shitty as the rest of it. Same speculative nonsense. Okay. But without being able to have the power to elect people that have class consciousness into the, into the game, it makes it very hard to trust the outcomes. And so all the talk of MMT to me largely benefits those people who have a deficit of imagination and who are not ideologically given to Marxism or anything else. It's to what we call normies because ultimately normies still believe in the system. They still vote all the time, et cetera, but they can't quite figure out why the Republicans rated social security, or they can't quite figure out why the Republicans keep standing in the way. And they, they have no analysis. They have no understanding of the fact that the Democrats and the Republicans are not class, you know, friends. They're not our buddies. They're not on team working class. They are protecting moneyed interest. They are protecting the capital order. So Marxists are clear on that. Normies and a lot of MMTers, not necessary any one in particular so if somebody's feeling some type of way about that get over yourself i'm making the case though that i hear a lot of people that hand wave that stuff and just pretend that we have a functioning democracy that has a functioning uh capable way of getting congress to do the bidding of the working class and we simply do not okay there's no way with a straight face you can show me the evidence that says that our political system creates opportunity for the working class to achieve its goals. There's no way you can show me that. If you do, I would lose all, I would lose all respect for you if you tried to make that case. You'd be a liar. So don't. But it's clear, I think, it's very clear to me anyway, that without Marxists, without the left, the real left, not this Democrat left that votes for you know, nonsense identity politics and stuff like that, and that their whole focus is on identity. But really, people that have a full intersectional view of both class consciousness and fighting for those people that have been downtrodden and have been marginalized by the system and by society as a whole, I think that that right there is the path forward. So again, I come back. How do you get us to agree to the plumbing so that we can move forward together and radicalize people, get them on board with an understanding of class consciousness while simultaneously really, really beginning to think through what the world looks like if we were in power, if we were to run the world, if we were to have the government, if we were governing, right? Governing. Hey, Instead of just being out there in the streets yelling and throwing rocks with bandanas and masks, actually sitting there and governing for the people, by the people, with the people in hopes of helping the working class. A government that is no longer fighting with capital because capitalism itself is dead. Imagine that. I, I, it's, I, it's almost impossible to imagine that because first and foremost, Capitalism has never been more powerful than it is today. Okay. 
from the militaries to the uh, computer systems that allow it to entrench itself. There's so many factors that Lenin and Che Guevara and Fidel Castro and others, Mao, every one of them, didn't have to face, didn't have to deal with. They had their own problems, but they didn't have these problems. And these problems that we're dealing with are real and very, very hard to overcome. If 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 they can be overcome, if it's not going to require a mass tsunami or you know something to destabilize society to bring us back to the primitive. Um, God, I love that song. I don't know if y'all like Soulfly, but it's one of my favorite songs, Back to the Primitive. Um, politics. Anyway, um, this is a, this is a, this is a task. We're not going to solve it on this live stream, by the way. I wish we would, but we're not. We're not going to solve it on this live stream. But I want to frame the conversation so you know what you can expect in the future. I want you to understand that I'm not trying to make Marxists forget who they are. I'm trying to enhance that, just like I'm trying to enhance my MMT with my newfound Marxist framing so that I'm working for the working class. I'm looking at things through a class consciousness, not through the lens of the mainstream media, not through the lens of people who have it well and are investors that think the sun always shines on them, depending on if it's a bull market or whatever. I'm looking at people who are not looking to be landlords, who are looking to make sure everyone is taken care of. To me, that right there is the greater importance. But to do that, you got to understand how the system works. And so there in which lies the crux. And I heard some things in the book club last night some comments in particular, even from Clara, she said something very powerful, actually. Um, she basically said, and I wish I could say this exact, but I can't. She basically said something to the, to the effect of, um, you know, MMT shows us what's possible today, but we need to be thinking about what the future looks like with a class analysis. And I think that's a, that's a fair way of saying it. I don't know if she said that exactly the way I said that. I'm not even sure if what I just said is something that she means. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I think that's what she said. And so I find it just as challenging talking to regular people that their hard-earned tax dollars are, are literally not a funding mechanism. The bonds are not a funding mechanism. I find it very challenging to explain because most of what they think they know, they don't really know. Most of what they think they know is stuff they have kind of synthesized based on hodgepodge of different inputs that really are not coherent. So I'm going to ask you, take a moment, take a few moments, go back to episode number one of Macro and Cheese. Listen to that from Bill Mitchell. Listen to it very closely. 
he explains the congruency and what the theory is. It, it, the, in fact, the, the first episode is called Putting the T in MMT. Okay. And understanding the theoretical framework as well as the plumbing. Go back, listen to that. Hell, listen to all 200 plus episodes. It's worth it. I try. There's a few of them. Let me just be honest. There's a few politicians I interviewed that if I could undo them, if I could delete them and get rid of them and never let them be heard again, I'd do it. I'd do it. Almost all of the interviews we've done, I'm very proud of. Few of the politician interviews. That's why you don't see me interviewing politicians. I'm not interested in bullshit. I'm interested in freaking forever green information that you can learn and grow from that I can build a, you know, a repository, if you will, of knowledge that I can learn from too. Is even though I'm conducting the interviews in macro and cheats, I'm, I'm pivoting because I don't script my interviews. I don't write out all the questions. I move and shake through the interview. I guide it as I go. I have ideas, but I don't want to color the interview. I don't want to try and force it into a certain ending. I want to take it where it goes. But I, I allow them the space to be the expert. So I really want you all to take a listen to episode number one. You know, I listened to some questions from my friend Varn, Derek Varn, last night. And there are things that like, I think that because that interwoven nature of class struggle, class consciousness, and Marxian, um, you know, ideological frameworks, are almost impossible for them to disaggregate from the plumbing, to pull it away from the plumbing. You know, stop it, Ty. I see you out there. I, I just, I want to make sure that you all understand though, right? That there is, there is some truth. It's like water is wet. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't understand neo-chartalism, if you don't understand, uh, you know, Knapp's state theory of money, these are lofty things to go out and learn. I mean, there's stuff that I learned in grad school, but I learned them differently than I learned them now, differently than I my understanding of the world allows me to see things. I had to unlearn a lot of stuff that I learned in traditional institutions like, you know, grad school. And so it's easy to understand why people wouldn't understand where it becomes a problem is people speak without knowledge. They just flap gums and say things about the, the economic system that they don't understand. And to me, this is probably pretty harsh. I'm not going to lie. To me, rather than make up a story, rather than fill a hole without actually, uh, you know, learning, why not just say you don't understand? Why not just, yeah, I don't know. It's okay to say that. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I brought this up on the show before, but um, there's an old kind of a, 
disaster type movie that I love. I don't remember if it was like 2004 it came out, but um, it was called The Core. And Stanley Tucci um, played this brilliant scientist. And there's this other guy who plays kind of like a brilliant scientist too. And it's all these brilliant scientists. And Stanley Tucci's always coming up with bullshit to answer people. And the one guy leans over and says to him, it's okay to say you don't know. You know, they're try they're driving this like centipede like tunneling device that uses these lasers to blow holes through common ground and go to the core of the earth to restart the center of the earth <laughs> to set off nuclear weapons in the liquid uh, metal that makes up the outer core. And um, they're hitting all these weird empty pockets and they're like, what is this? And he's like, I didn't teach the computer how to deal with empty space. And then he's like, oh, my God, we didn't calculate the density of this material, right? So we didn't bring enough nuclear bombs to get the center of the Earth spinning again. And, you know, he's out there just trying to make up stuff. But the reality is he didn't know. And finally, the other scientist said, it's okay to admit you don't know. That's what most of the people out there, they talk about the private Federal Reserve and the Rothschilds and all the other things. That's what they remind me of. They remind me of Stanley Tucci and the core afraid to admit they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So we got to win them too, right? We got to work with them too, because it's not good enough to think that we can just vote our way to the system that we want, the, the world that we want. I'm going to be honest with you. Change happens way too slow for my liking. And with Marxists basically completely checked out of the system because the system itself doesn't represent their class interests, so they don't see much value in it. And the social Democrats who don't think anything other than vote blue no matter who. We've got a lot of work to do, and we're never going to get there. And we're not going to get there anyway without having a shared foundational belief. Okay, And so, again, that's what this is all about, the plumbing. Get to understand the basic plumbing, the dollar in this case, is a simple public monopoly that is being leveraged by the wealthy elites. That's it. It doesn't mean that it in and of itself is bad. It's just in the control. It's in the hands of the people who do not share our class standing. Okay. And so if you understand that, it's going to require you to have a different political expectation, a different political uh, modus operandi. I mean, you're going to have to have a different approach. Okay. And as you know, I don't believe it's not that I don't believe in electoral politics. I believe that in democracy. I believe in a dictatorship of the proletarian, you know, the, the, uh, the people, the working class. And yet at the same time, yet at the same time, if we were to build the future today, would we have the tools to do it? How can we make life better today? Or is the goal to accelerate? collapse and pray to God that it's so bad and ugly that we take up 
take over, right? I'm not sure that that's a real thing. I'm not sure that that's not just a fantasy book waiting to be written. And so we've got to find a way to work within the system that we have today to even change it or to get enough people to agree that it's broken to take the necessary steps to fix it. Otherwise, you just end up suckling right back into the establishment and nothing really ever changes. Okay. I, I have. I have fought many fights for those of you out there. I was reading somebody who's like, Steve's just going to throw up a wall of words and then he's going to slam me. And it's like, I'm not gentle. I admit it. I, I am gentle. That's not true. I shouldn't say it, but I do get perturbed in a, an extreme way when people come at it. as if they know something they don't know. And I do feel that that is something that should be smited down by the mighty smiter himself. I cannot stand bloviators that mouth off about the private federal reserve. The only thing, the only thing, uh, you know, the only thing federal about it is the name. It's about as federal as federal express. <laughs> right. I, I don't, that, 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 that dog don't hunt. I, I don't like that. And so, yes, I, I do take aim there, right? Because I want smart people. I want people interested in learning. I, I value people that say I don't know. Let me just say it. I value people that say I don't know. So here we are. And I am going to, hold on, that didn't help much with that answer, but I know where you're coming from. Let's see. Let's see what you let's see. I did, I'm not reading the, the comments as much as I would like because I'm trying to stay coherent because I'm easily taken off my game. I don't even want those two parties in office. That's how tight. Okay. So here's the problem the system, the, the electoral system, the voting system, all the rest of the systems right now, regardless of whether you like the Democrats or Republicans, the way the law is written, the way the law is, those two parties have complete control over the debates and over the electoral college and everything else in between. You can vote third party, fifth party, 30th party, five millionth party. It doesn't matter. You will be joining that system. You will be in Congress with those people. You will be in the system where they have seniority and they have voting rules and they have uh, a speaker of the house that has power over you, whether or not you're a third party guy or not. The best you've got is to be a sore thumb and say, I'm voting against this and use your bully pulpit to speak on the floor, to speak outside as, a, as an elected representative. So in that space, I've been saying all along, give me people that are willing to be one-term representatives. Give me people that are willing to do the dirty work, to start tearing the structure down from within by literally calling it out, speaking truth to power. That, in my opinion, is the only value of electoral politics if you get, because right now there is no way in hell we have enough power and there's not enough people that even running for office, okay, that have the knowledge to make the kind of impact needed. And that's a real problem, right? And that's why we are here to educate. That's why we're here to learn. I'm learning every day. Folks, 
in no way, shape, or form do I come to this microphone as a finished product. Folks, I am learning right along with you in many cases. There's some things that I've taken more time than you probably to learn. That's an effort thing. That's something I made a decision to do. But I am learning every single day. I, I read constantly. I'm not telling you that that's something you have to do. I'm here to tell you, though, that without doing that stuff, you won't have the knowledge you think you have and you won't have the knowledge you need to do something. So you have to admit you don't know things. You can't keep going around telling everybody, you're deprived federal reserve. And you're printing money. It's going to devalue it. You can't say dumb things and expect to be taken seriously. You can't just say those things and grow. Saying dumb shit may work at the pub, may work at the fire pit while you're tripping on mushrooms, but it doesn't fucking work when you're really talking about designing a system. And there in which lies the rub. And that is the nut that we need to crack. That is the thing. We need to get people pliable and willing to learn willing to grow and willing to take on new ideas that they didn't know of before and, and evaluate those ideas through the lens of modern monetary theory and class consciousness. See that? Evaluate that through the lens of the modern monetary framework and class consciousness and materialism. Put the two together. I'm not going to sit there and analyze a plumbing system with class consciousness necessarily. I may reroute the pipes. I may take the pipe and say, hey, that pipe isn't serving me going this way. I need that pipe to go this way. That's a true statement. And I might want to do that. Okay. But you've got to understand the way the system works today. Yeah, the, the politicians are just stealing our tax dollars. Stop saying dumb things. You don't know. That, mm. See, it's those things that send me off on a tirade. And maybe that's something I've got to work. I don't know. I'm, I'm not inclined to work too hard on that. I'm tired of people filling up the damn ecosphere where we're talking with gibberish instead of just acknowledging they don't fucking know what they're talking about. Shut up, sit down, be a part of the gang. There's nothing wrong with learning. And I think that right there is where I'm going to end this stream. I think that's where I'm going to end this stream. We've got to agree on the plumbing. And once we get that base coat down, we can do so much more. But we got to get the base down. And for MMTers, you've got to stop drinking the Kool-Aid of thinking, well, we just need to source the votes and everything will be great. You've got to start recognizing the way the system works and the plumbing of the electoral process with superdelegates and the fact that Bruce Spiva, the DNC attorney, went in front of federal judges fighting the fact that they don't have any responsibility whatsoever to produce a primary. Not any responsibility whatsoever. So wake up, Peter Pan, Count Chocula, grow up, and say, 
hey, yeah, I got to learn that. Because if we keep thinking that we can just vote our way to freedom, we're going to be slaves forever. Anyway, I am Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar, and I would like it very much. If you guys would like and subscribe, become donors, become uh, literally turn on notifications, gang, because YouTube is doing a number on us, man. We've got, you know, almost 14,000 subs and they keep us trapped at that level. They don't let us grow. They keep, I mean, you can almost predict to the view that I will get this certain specific number of views every one of the fucking videos. There ain't no way that's coinky dink. Not when you got that many people subscribed and that exact same number of people each time. It's not possible. Not possible. They're screwing us. So please help us. And by the way, big ask, big, big, huge ask for the people that really support this channel. And for those of you who are just coming and thank you so much for stopping by. Okay. But for those of you who are part of our struggle and know what I'm talking about, show up religiously and, and, and are part of this thing. Remember, your, the comments you're making now are part of the live comments. Once I hit end and this stream ends, there's a whole new life this video has. Please come back and look at the comments from other people. Please engage with them. I've asked my team this stuff. I'm asking you all. Please don't blow this off. It's a huge deal. And it's the engagement with people like that that helps us get past those algorithms. So if you're interested in seeing this content go further, you're seeing us stay, you know, staying on the air and doing this stuff, please consider contributing in that way. That's free. It doesn't cost any money at all. And you become part of the solution by helping us beat these oppressive algorithms. And without further ado, I bid you adieu. I'm out of here. Late. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 